Hello, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Myers Detox Podcast, where we talk about everything related to heavy metal detoxification and living a healthy lifestyle. Today we have Dr. Lester Lee on the show talking about hormones. We're going to be talking about hormone replacement therapy. Is it safe? how to replace hormones properly, all the different options, and the role of toxins in lowering hormones. Such a good show today, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions out there about the safety of hormone replacement therapy, how long you should be on it. I think a lot of women that could be on hormone replacement therapy to help a lot of their different health issues uh, you know, don't go on it because of their fears of cancers or fears of, uh, just misinformation that they have about it, or they're trying to do things naturally and don't want to take medications or throwing hormone replacement therapy into that medications bucket to avoid when they could be living a better quality of life. So I, and I used to feel this way as well, but I, the more and more I learn about the, the research, the latest research on hormone replacement therapy, if it's done correctly, then it can be uh, an amazing contributor to health, warding off diabetes, getting people off diabetes medication, warding off osteoporosis and bone loss, um, helping people with you know better insulin sensitivity, helping women ward off heart disease, and just promoting a lot of different health benefits uh, far more than uh, any cons related to HRT. So that's what today's show is about. And we're gonna be also uh, going over a lot of different topics related to HRT, like can hormone replacement therapy cause weight loss and how, and this is really interesting, how um, you know all the different factors related to low estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone contribute to weight gain. Really interesting conversation. We started out with that topic. And a new research and analysis of older research, specifically the Women's Health Initiative, that shows that bioidentical hormone replacement therapy does not contribute to cancers. And we'll discuss that in detail. And how toxins are interfering in your hormones. There's a lot of endocrine hormone disrupting chemicals in our environment. It's one of the reasons so many people are having hormonal issues and resultant side effects from that. We'll talk about the different HRT options, the pros and cons of pellets, patches, and oral supplementation. There's also nasal sprays. We'll explore all the different options. Symptoms of lower, low hormones. We'll also talk about estrogen dominant syndrome and how you can be estrogen dominant when you have low estrogens on your hormone testing and the role that synthetic xenoestrogens play in that delicate balance as well. We'll also talk about how HRT can help to ward off high blood pressure, diabetes, depression, heart disease, osteoporosis, and more, as I mentioned before. And the fact that, you know, your hormones, it's not just about feeling good or having a good weight or, or whatnot. These hormones have a very protective effect on our health and we can retain our youthfulness and our health longer when we have the proper hormone levels in our bodies. So great discussion today on hormones with Dr. Lee Lester. 
I know so many of you guys listening are concerned about the heavy metal levels that you have in your body. So I created a quiz at heavymetalsquiz.com. Take the two minute quiz, you get your results, whether you have high, medium, or low levels of toxins in your body. And based on your results, what your next steps should be. Where do you get started with detoxification? What kind of do's and don'ts and things you should be thinking about when it comes to detoxing heavy metals and chemicals? You get this totally free video series after you take the quiz. So go check it out at heavymetalsquiz.com. Our guest today, Dr. Lester Lee, is a University of California trained internal and sports medicine specialist and was a fellowship trained in functional and metabolic medicine through the American Academy of Anti-Aging Medicine, also known as A4M. He is a past two-time U.S. Olympic team physician and has had a clinical practice, Lee Regenerative Medical Institute, for over 34 years. And in fact, it was voted LA Times Best Medical Group Practice in Orange County in 2019. Dr. Lee frontiered hormone replacement therapy for men and women in Orange County. He's been doing it since the 1980s, been doing bioidentical hormones since the 80s, and really is a true pioneer in hormone replacement therapy. You can learn more about Dr. Lee and his work at leemedicalinstitute.com. Dr. Lee, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you. Yeah. So to start off, I wanted to talk about, you know, what I find most interesting (laughs) about uh, going into menopause, because I just started uh, going into menopause this year. I'm 47 and a lot of uh, our our women listening are in perimenopause or in menopause. And so I wanted to talk about the fact that when women reach uh, or going into menopause and perimenopause, they tend to gain about 10 to 15 pounds. And a lot of women find this very irritating, blame themselves, but it's really due to the fact that fat actively produces estrogen. And when our adrenals aren't working so great, when our ovaries start to shut down and produce less estrogen, we gain weight just simply the, because the fat produces estrogen. Can you talk a little more about that? That's a great observation, Wendy, because on a daily basis, it's the, the kind of patients that we see in, in our practice, in my practice. And they're kind of young, actually, to go through menopause, Wendy, but you're, you're, I'm not sure, did you experience any weight gains when you started in those perimenopausal months? I did, like, you know, this year I'm not in menopause, but it's just the kind of the beginning, but I have, I have gained 10 pounds this year, which I'm not happy about. <laughs> well, what have you done for that? And do you know the reason, by the way? Well, As- you know, I work a lot. I love what I do. So I'm, I'm probably not taking care of myself enough, but I'm just, uh, you know, uh, working on educating uh, my audience about health and not taking care of myself enough. But it also has to do with reduced estrogen production and my body trying to make up for that deficiency, I believe, as well. And part of that, not just the estrogen uh, during those times of perimenopause and menopause, the weight gain may be coming on because of lower DHEA from our adrenal glands, maybe increased cortisol from our adrenal glands, secondary to accumulations of years of stress, duress, psycho-emotional, physical. Estrogen, yes, as you mentioned, it's kind of a vicious cycle. As we develop and gain more belly fat, 
we're producing and aromatizing into more estrogen. The difficulty with that is not really a healthy estrogen, the best way to describe it. We've also accumulated over the decades, and you being a detoxification expert in, in reputation, by the way, very good. We're getting the unhealthy estrogens in place of healthy estrogens. So indirectly, the estrogens, the good stuff from a more youthful uh, years and levels are decreasing, but our bad estrogens uh, are also increasing. So the distribution of the belly fat for women, usually around the belly, not as much the belly, I would say thighs and the buttock area. Uh, also, testosterone decreases. So we find that we're losing lean mass and replacing it with soft tissue adiposity. So the appearance of the figure is less lean and proportionally more soft adiposity. The other considerations, uh, our metabolism slows as we mature, are without being too technical about our telomeres, our ability genetically to metabolize sugars, uh, to metabolize fats. Thyroid, correlatively, as we decrease in progesterone estrogen, our thyroid decreases because we need adequate estrogen uh, and adequate cortisol to make active thyroid. Thyroid comes in a couple forms, T4, reserve form, converts to T3, the active form. So we also find, at least in my practice, and I think it's in the literature also, that as we mature and as women mature and their hormones go south, estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, their thyroid not as necessarily goes down. It's less effective and less efficient for metabolism. Therefore, the distribution of fat as well as energy. Okay, great. That was a really good explanation because you just hit on all the different points and why women gain weight. And I, I like to talk about that because I think that a lot of women deal with this uh, as they get older, they're frustrated by it, blame themselves. And I just want to make it clear that, you know, it's it's not due to lack of self-control or what have you. There's just a you know, a physiological natural process that takes place. We just need to understand that. And then in turn, um, can taking hormone replacement therapy, which we're talking about today, promote weight loss? Uh, yes, it can, because the idea is to optimize the hormone into a, a balanced symphony. Again, we're talking about estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, thyroid, cortisol, DHEA, pregnenolone. We're, we're trying to optimize metabolism and help the patient, help the patient athlete even, become more insulin sensitive. That's the other thing that as our hormones become deficient as we mature, we become more insulin resistant. And then indirectly in a layman's term, that means it's more difficult to metabolize in fats and sugars. Therefore, difficult losing weight, increasing body weight. It's kind of a vicious cycle. Increased body fat more aromatization of estrogen, more water retention, more difficulty metabolizing fat again. So it's a vicious cycle. It's very frustrating for women. Even as we get in the office daily, I eat clean. I almost eat like a bird, but I'm still gaining weight. So we also look at the quality of the sleep too. Sleep, as you know, uh, Wendy, very important for the hormones, the hormone cycles, the circadian rhythm, the efficiency of the hormones, production of hormones. So uh, back to your question, when we do our testing, whether it be by uh, urine, saliva, serum, uh, we're looking at the spectrum of the hormones. Perhaps the previous uh, guests that you've had in your show 
kind of discuss the same thing. Similarly, we're looking at the spectrum, not just male-female hormones, because some people forget and don't realize testosterone, excuse me, thyroid, cortisol, DHEA, pregnenolone, leptin, ghrelin, those are hormones too. They just are different kinds of structures of hormones. So we look at the spectrum of that based on the symptom presentation of the patient. And for women, yes, as they mature, uh, they lose lean mass, uh, not necessarily sarcopenic, but I have seen a lot of young ladies like yourself in their 40s. And they said, you know, I was an athlete. I was a gymnast. I was a runner. I was whatever the sport. I was lean, mean, killing machine. And ever since I became into my 40s, I've lost all that. So remarkably, when I add a little bit of testosterone cream or pellets, that these individuals regain the motivation, the motivation, uh, the libido, uh, retarding the sarcopenia or the lean mass loss. The other part is encouraging them to have resistance exercises. Most women don't really do resistance exercises. They mainly do some cardiac, cardiovascular, and that's, that's important too. But if you want to increase lean mass, you have to incorporate resistance exercises. And usually I tell women that it's not just your TheraBands, it's not just doing push-ups. I, I like them to actually work with weights, not a lot of weights, but weights uh, ergonomically uh, metabolizes calories much more effectively, efficiently than let's say biking or walking. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. The best shape I've ever been in my life is when I was lifting weights to fatigue three, four times a week. There was just, and not doing really that much cardio at all, just some walking. And I was like 18% body fat, felt really, really strong. And you just kind of don't get that with Pilates and with just, you know, walking and rebounding and things like that. Um, so workouts yeah. are uh, like the HIIT principle you're probably familiar with, high intensity yes. interval training, incorporating resistance exercises along with a little bit of cardio. But again, you're going to burn a lot more calories and put on lean mass when you're doing that kind of periodization workout. So let's talk about some of the symptoms of hormone deficiency, where hormone replacement therapy or HRT would be relief or be appropriate to use. Just so there's a lot of women that they know they're starting to miss their period. They're like, oh, here it comes. You know, I'm going into perimenopause. So uh, besides that, what are some other symptoms that may trigger someone to think maybe HRT, maybe it's time to start considering it. Well, let's, let's ask uh, Wendy. When you start approaching, okay, uh, maybe irregular cycles, maybe you noticed the, the weight was a little more difficult to decrease, maybe the libido was going a little more south, the motivation, the lean mass, uh, not necessarily hot flashes, not necessarily, maybe drier skin, maybe vaginal dryness, any of those symptoms that you experienced in the past, let's say, three years? Some of the, the presentations, again, are that my, my energy is low, my focus, my cognition is decreased, my skin is drier, my hair is thinning, uh, I'm getting more belly fat, I'm softer, uh, I have low libido, and I have lower self-esteem, and my quality of sleep is lower, and my significant other or my spouse is not interested anymore, which is okay because I have no libido anyway, so it's okay with me. So if that fits a lot of our 
And some women in their 30s, by the way, experience that, not necessarily 40s or 50s. Uh, we see a fair number of female patients in their early 30s, mid 30s with all those symptoms. Part of it has to do with exposure to xenoestrogens, uh, exposure to heavy metals and toxicities, environmental pollutants causing disruptions of the hormones. Uh, some of it has to do with a genetic component because of whatever the genetic component is. Those are probably the most common presentations. And, and some of these individuals said, you know, I was great. I didn't have any of the symptoms until I turned 51. And the, the, the patient lady may not be in menopause. She may still have regular cycles, but she has all these symptoms. Interestingly, so it's not always hormones. And I, I, I express that to the patient. We look at other multifactorial areas, multifactorial areas of comorbidities that are affecting the way you feel. Transmitters in the brain, maybe they're going south too. That's how uh, Valium, Xanax on GABA inhibitory transmitters for anxiety and calming. Maybe it's your serotonins. Maybe it's your excitatory transmitters, epinephrine, norepinephrine, dopamine. Uh, again, that's how other mood elevators work. So we look at those transmitters too via urine. We look at cortisol to see if it's dominant, spiking, causing problems with sleep. Insomnia, disrupted fragmented sleep is a huge one also we see on a daily basis, both men and women. I would say more women than men though. So those are the symptoms that we're addressing on a daily basis. For men, similar symptoms, the most common one would be I'm getting fat, I have low musculature, I have low libido, and I, and, I, and I have disrupted fragmented sleep also, which may be from apnea, which may be, again, when you're gaining all that fat, it, it does affect you know, your sleep nasal pathways. So for men, hormones, yes, part of it, thyroid, yes, part of it, cortisol, yes, part of it, but we're, we're focusing a little more on their testosterone because that seems to be for hypogonadism for men, the major issue. If they take opiates, Men or women, it lowers your testosterone. Well, lack of sleep lowers the testosterone production. Uh, lack of resistance exercises lowers both growth hormone and testosterone. Lack of sleep, that's a key one. When you don't sleep well, your body just doesn't function as effectively. So we address uh, sleep health, sleep hygiene. And for Dr. Singler, who's a naturopathic pr practitioner in my office, uh, she's an expert on that. She has great remedies. Uh, not necessarily using CNS depressants, but things that give GABA support besides melatonin, besides HTP. But the idea, besides magnesium, most people don't realize magnesium stimulates GABA too. Epsom salt, right? Epsom salt, active ingredient, mag sulfate. You bathe in the magnesium sulfate with the Epsom salt, absorb through the skin, you relax, relaxes the muscles, you sleep better. So uh, we just add different forms of magnesium. And as you're familiar with different forms, glycinate, 3 and 8, chelated. Uh, again, um, those are, again, back to the, the question of weight gain. That's always a major one for men and women coming into the office. And hormones are part of it. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned opiates because there's a lot of a lot of people taking opiates uh, that probably shouldn't be, and also other medications like antidepressants and statins, cholesterol lowering medications, dramatically interfere in hormones and libido and can cause symptoms that you suggested above as well. Yes. Yeah, I agree. And and so, who should not go on HRT? 
So we're going to talk a little bit more throughout the the show about you know why why you should go on HRT and the the pros of that as well. There's a lot of benefits, but is there anyone who shouldn't be considering HRT? Well, individuals who have obviously cancer, we don't have them on hormones. Uh, not to say that they're not candidates once that let's say in women breast cancer uh, or or ovarian cancer once that. They're in remission. I like to see them in remission, let's say for breast cancer, at least three years. And we work in conjunction with their oncologist, their gynecologist or gynecologic oncologist to get the green light. Uh, are you okay to restart? I also like to do in our office estrogen metabolism, estrogen metabolites to look at the proportion of good estrogens, bad estrogens, and genetic testing to see how they. Uh, metabolize uh, if they're if they're prone to abnormal pathways of estrogen, and are they just prone genetically to getting cancers and kinds of cancers? For women, we normally think about breast, ovarian, cervical, uterine, uh, not as much pulmonary, colon, but yes, those are considerations too. Individuals who are tumors of any sort, I'm a little more cautious. If we don't have a diagnosis and etiology of that tumor, I prefer them not to be on hormone replacement therapy. Question comes up sometimes weekly, male and female. Uh, I've been diagnosed with substance abuse disorder, whether it be whatever the substance is. I have an addictive personality. The, the psychiatrist feels I should not be a candidate for, for hormones. I can understand perhaps men who inject testosterone rather than the, the top, um, transdermal topical because you tell them a little bit, whatever I tell them, they're going to quadruple, quintuple it. I know that's <laughs> yeah. especially in bodybuilders, male yeah. bodybuilders, that if you tell them the right dosage for you is a half cc a week, 100 milligrams, and it's, well, I had good results, but not, so I went ahead and gave myself five cc's. Again, perhaps that obsessive compulsive disorder addictive personality, I work with their psychiatrist to, uh, to give them a proper portion. We don't want to deprive them of uh, a hormones, men or women. Your thoughts on, or have you come across, Wendy, patients who mentioned their doctors told them you're not a candidate for hormones. Have you come across that? Um, you know, I, I haven't. I mean, I've talked to a, a lot of women who are concerned about HRT, if it can cause cancer, if, you know, the synthetic versus bioidentical. We'll get to those questions in a second. But that's really the more common questions I come across. Kind of segueing into that, uh, I don't personally feel that bioidentical hormones from natural plant-based botanicals uh, causes de novo cancer. Certainly, we're looking for any evidence of genetic predisposition to cancer. So regularly, uh, female exams, mammograms, follow up with their gynecologist uh, yearly. Uh, if you're going to develop some kind of a tumor, we need to know about that because you may not be. We need to take you off for the time being off your hormones. As far as the synthetics, I think that's a, perhaps a question that's going to come up uh, in the show here. I feel synthetic hormones were the culprit. They were the culprit. Was it conjugated synthetic estrogen and or synthetic progesterone. Well, the progesterone part was a progestin, okay, uh, which is a synthetic, which is known to cause cancer. 
cause proliferation of abnormal cells, uh, whether it be uterus or breasts, versus the healthier form of progesterone uh, from plant-based. As we, as we uh, discuss through the show, I'm going to probably digress a bit because it'll stimulate certain qualifications and further elaboration on my part to some of your previous questions, but go ahead. You know, I had read many, many years ago that the Women's Health Initiative study originally showed that there are increased cancers in women on HRT, but there's been a recent reanalysis of the data that now shows that breast cancer is significantly reduced in women getting the estrogen only versus the estrogen plus a synthetic progesterone. And the study therefore proves what you just said, that it was the synthetic progestins that turned on the cancer cells. And because of that kind of misinformation uh, that's been going around for many years, there's a lot of women that are uh, shying away from HRT and uh, that could be getting relief of their symptoms when it's right for them. But, you know, there was, the study was misinterpreted many years ago. No, I agree. Uh, I do recall that, I think it's 2004, Women's Health Initiative of hundreds of thousands of women. And again, we have to also recall, remember that the lay population don't really know how studies are run. When it comes into the news, then it goes viral. So I believe some of these women are at average age, 60, 61, who had a lot of comorbidities. They also smoked, I think, a lot of them too. So these individuals are they are set up to have and develop uh, carcinomas. You know, that part, not being a researcher with that kind of data, I can't really answer that part. Other than the fact that if I look through the literature over the past 10, 15 years, and let's say, not necessarily the WHI study, but I don't, I do not see, as we review the literature, that uh, bioidentical hormones from natural plant-based induce, cause, create cancer, yeah. or heart attacks for that matter. Yes. Yeah. I was talking with my friend, Dr. Uh, Lindsay Borak, and she was saying that there was some recent research by Dr. Avram Blooming. He has the longest open-ended study uh, giving estrogen in the form of Premarin. Uh, to hundreds of breast cancer patients with no re increased risk of recurrence of breast cancer. These are women that are you know, prone to that or have developed that, and they aren't getting a recurrence of it taking HRT. And I I'm, I'm, apologize, I'm not familiar with the study. I'm familiar with Dr. Blooming's name. He's a well-respected, I believe he's a gynecologist, correct? Yes, he is. Mm -hmm. I believe he is placing these patients on conjugated estrogen or Premarin by brand name, but the synthetic estrogen with no incidence of recurrence of cancer. So back to the culprit, it's the synthetic progestins, yeah. Provera by brand name, medroxyprogesterone acetate. I remember that from pharmacy school yeah. <laughs> way back when. <laughs> but anyway, uh, again, back to the culprit. Is it estrogen or is it a combination of estrogen and progesterone? It's actually more the synthetic as Dr. Conjugated estrogen synthetic, which is the old Premarin, correct? Yes. Uh -huh. He's leaving the synthetic progestin out, yes. Provera. Mm -hmm. I agree with him. Again, I'm not a researcher, so I can't delve into that uh, realm of, of, of the science. Other than the past literature review of hundreds of articles, uh, the synthetics 
we still tend to shy away from because we don't know ever since WHI. So the vast majority of my patients, uh, female patients, let's, let's address, is going to be bioidentical plant-based because the literature bears them out as being safe and safer. Yes. And, and how do you administer those? So you said that, you know, women can take them orally, there's uh, pellets that they can take. Can you talk about some of the different delivery methods of hormone replacement therapy? In regards to routes of delivery, I would say probably my favorite is transdermal because the way it's metabolized is safer. It doesn't go directly through the liver, or therefore it doesn't create inflammatory markers and enzymes. I'll, I'll just mention the, the different routes and then the pros and cons of different routes. Yes. Uh, second route could be like oral, oral being a trochee, a lozenge, submucosal uh, transabsorption, vaginal suppositories or creams, uh, injections, whether it be testosterone or testosterone and estrogen, uh, which is probably not a preference, it's lower down, down the road. Uh, pellets. The pellets are usually a combination of testosterone or estrogen or one or the both. I'm not opposed to them. They last three to four months in a woman. Uh, I've done thousands of pellets in the past, even before it became Vogue. I was doing them back in the 90s. The difficulty with that time is difficult to find a good compounding pharmacy in U.S. that can make a good release pellet. It's either too hard, doesn't release, or too soft, it crumbles, and you get a massive release, and they have huge side effects, and they hate your guts, and difficulties, you can't take them out. <laughs> so yeah. if you put a pellet in, especially, let's say, testosterone, testosterone converts to estrogen. Let's say they become too estrogen dominant when they were okay or on the low side, but now they're stimulating oral gland activity. They're getting acne. They're getting water tension, puffiness, difficulty losing weight. Testosterone converts to DHT, dihydrotestosterone, inhibits follicle hair growth. If you're more prone to it as a woman, and some women are, I've seen them in a practice monthly, their hair's falling out, big patches, they're upset. They go back to the doctor, I can't take them out. Unfortunately, they're in there for six months. Yeah. So I, I shied away over 10, 12 years ago from doing pellets because once I put them in, for whatever reason, the patient doesn't like it, I can't take them out. Uh, however, over the last 10 years, there are a number of good companies and compounding pharmacies that make, yes, better quality pellets. And let's say I was doing them in the 90s when it was more novel, new, kind of being an outlier frontiers person in the mid-80s, introducing hormone replacement therapy, not synthetics, but the bioidentical was back in the mid-80s. It wasn't heard of here in, in, in Orange County. So I frontiered it, uh, took a lot of heat from the endocrinologists, from fellow peers and primary carers, but my patients were doing well. They were doing remarkably well. They're feeling better. Their cognition, their memory, their skin quality, their leanness, they're losing belly fat. And they go back to the primary carers. How come you didn't put me on this stuff like Lee did? Again, because they don't know about that stuff. We are now, through American Academy Anti-Aging Medicine, functional medicine groups, uh, functional medicine group doctors like naturopaths. Again, they're trained in that kind of medicine much more so than conventional MDs like myself. I didn't learn about any of this when I went through uh, med school through Davis or even residency because that's not what they train us in. It's conventional medicine. So as far as the mode of deliveries, there are some women said, you know what? I got to put it on every day. It's messy. It's cocky. And the potential for transmission to man, woman, and child. Can I go ahead and do the uh, sublingual lozenges? Sure. Or you know what? They're not working. I still don't feel any different. Well, 
maybe we, it's the wrong dosage. Let's increase the dosage, more optimize the dosage. I still don't feel any different. Okay, so maybe with an insulin syringe, low-dose testosterone, usually not the estrogen, because testosterone does convert to estrogen metabolites. So they're getting more estrogen without giving them estrogen. So I have a number of ladies who do extremely well, beautifully well, with low-dose, let's say 10 to 15 milligrams of uh, testosterone every 10 to 15 days with linsen syringe. And I don't necessarily have to put them on uh, estrogen because they're getting both through the testosterone and the conversion test to estrogen. Pellets, trochees, intranasal forms, probably not as cost-effective. Irritates the mucus lining, so maybe when they place it in their nose, they sneeze it out. So I, I tend not to use the intranasal forms. Compound pharmacies say that, hey, it's well-received, but I haven't found that in my own patients. So can you talk to us about how long that women should go on hormone replacement therapy? In the past, it was roughly five years was a recommendation to prevent bone loss because estrogen is very bone protective. What is the research showing now? Well, for a number of my female patients, I think my oldest uh, female patient on uh, HRT is 82 years old. Love it. Vivacious, energy, jet back and forth between East Coast and West Coast, runs three different companies between coast and coast. She said she'll never get off of her hormones because it gives her so much energy. She's very lean. She works out seven days a week at home. She works with little weights. So here's an individual at the age of 82, her DEXA scan, perfectly normal. No signs of osteopenia. We look at her T-scores. Back to the question of how long. I'm not opposed to women being on intermittently and cycling off and on forever because they feel better on it. If we take them off, let's say, testosterone, part of that libido, motivation, uh, propensity for uh, having uh, even clearer thoughts, they said it's diminished when I go off my DHEA or testosterone. I just let them know, you know, whatever year you want to go off, you're welcome to. Again, normally we're going to titrate them to the lowest dose possible so that it just takes care of any symptoms they may have. Progesterone, uh, if they want to be off estrogen, that's great. If they want to be off testosterone, that's great. I don't have any specific timeline for them, but again, we're concerned about uh, coronary disease. You take away the estrogen, they're more prone to CAD, coronary disease. They're more prone to osteopenia, osteoporosis, especially if they have a genetic predisposition or certain medications that they're taking makes them more prone to that. DHEA, there are a number of women, they're on DHEA, but they're not on, so let's say, any estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. The DHEA downstream helps make more testosterone. Testosterone converts to estrogen. So there are several hundreds of our female patients. That's all they're on, and they're perfectly happy with that. As, as far as a timeline, uh, I don't really have a timeline uh, that they should be off in terms of like forever because they just feel so much better, especially when they have to do with motivation, cognition, quality of sleep. They feel better when they're on uh, an optimized uh, regimen of the hormones. Yeah, I mean, I have a friend of mine that's been on HRT for 20 years, and she's in her 70s. She feels great. She looks great. She's super happy. So I just was curious if there was any contraindications for health issues or anything if you're on 
hormone replacement therapy long-term? As far as the comorbidities, like diabetes, hypertension, I see them actually being higher when they come off of their uh, hormone program. Again, we want the cardioprotective and the bone health uh, with the benefits of the hormones. And one of the huge fears of patients is, I don't want to lose my mind. Well, the brain has positive for uh, testosterone estrogen receptors. So that helps with the cognition. And studies also so sh show decreases incidence of dementia. Pregnenolone, excellent for cognition and memory. So again, downstream from pregnenolone makes cortisol, makes progesterone, makes testosterone and estrogen. So there are a number of patients, because we don't know, the literature isn't clear. I've been on hormones now for 10, 15. I have patients who've been on for over 35 years. Hmm. And they're now in their 70s, 80s. Male patient, I think my oldest male patient is 97. And he's still on testosterone low-dose transdermal. When he wants a little bit of boost because his young girlfriend of 53, they're going on <laughs> vacation, he switches to injectable because he gets that little more of a... Yeah, bump. he sounds awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's love it. I love it because people are living so long today and they want to have a healthy quality of life. They want to have a, an amazing relationship. And you can do it through biohacking and through, you know, just preserving your body's normal function. Like today, we have a choice. We don't have to age, we don't have to be forced into aging. There's a lot of things in our power and control that we can use to preserve our, our youth. I agree. Yeah. We can't necessarily, as you know, Wendy, control our heritage and genetics, but via epigenetics, nutrigenomics, we can, those are variables we can change now with the state of art of medicine, especially functional medicine is, I'm an internist by training, but functional medicine and hormones is, uh, is what we do here in the office. And we have multiple physicians from plastic surgeons, general surgeons, cardiologists, and now endocrinologists. I have three who actually refer patients because this is not their training. They're conventional endocrinologists. Nothing wrong with that. I'm conventionally trained as an internist. Nothing wrong with that either. But it's just that it's a more proactive approach to somebody's health. That's why they're coming in. And they feel so much better. Along with that program, I give a copy of and send a copy by email or fax to their primary carers, to their interns, the endocrinologists, to their cardiologists. What are you on? This is why they're feeling better. Maybe come into my office, doctor, whoever you are, and I can show you or teach you or train you or mentor you on a few things about basic hormone replacement therapy or thyroid or cortisol or nutraceuticals. You're, you're huge uh, in nutraceuticals. Uh, Dr. Uh, Singler, my office, being a naturopath, has a stronger background in nutraceuticals than I do. Uh, I learned from her about that. She handles, a lot, again, a lot of our uh, optimization program from nutraceuticals. I, I know a lot of different ones, but I'm probably not as um, proactive on loading people up. Excuse me, I shouldn't say loading people up, but <laughs> placing them on a number of nutraceuticals because you know what, Dr. Lee? I take 78 pills now. Yeah. <laughs> Besides the prescriptive stuff from my primary care doctor, now you want me to take the omega fish oil. Now you want to take me resveratrol. Now you want the berberine, bergamot, 
you want me on this, this, you want me on this, and you want more magnesium, you want more B complex, you want that. I said, how do I, how do I take all this stuff? Because I'm taking two to three handfuls a day, and I understand, and, it, and expense is a consideration too. Pharmaceutical grade nutraceuticals are not inexpensive. I talked yeah. about that before in a meeting uh, just this past weekend that was in Vegas. And, you know, when we have somebody who wants to be more naturally treated, nothing prescriptive, that's what we do. Oh, great. Yeah, I was, that was my next question. You read my mind because I was going to talk about supplemental pregnenolone, DHEA, wild yam to promote progesterone or estrogen rather. So are there, well, and we can even have your colleague on to discuss that as well, because that's something that for some women, they, they, those over-the-counter remedies don't work. They don't produce the results uh, that they're hoping for. Uh, perhaps there's a quality issue. Perhaps there's a, a, a timing issue or a pathway issue going on that then leads women into your office to do prescription HRT. A lot of women listening are trying pregnenolone hoping that downstream that might make some testosterone and perhaps doesn't work. What are some of the problems you see with supplemental over-the-counter supplements to try to produce hormones? Well, one, we like to utilize pharmaceutical grade quality. That's not just off-brand, off from whatever market. Uh, again, they cost more because they are quote-unquote pharmaceutical grade multiple great companies out there from pure encapsulation, standard process, metagenics, orthomolecular, designs for health. We can go on and on and on. Part of that has to do with cost. If let's say cost is not an issue, then maybe gastrointestinal intolerance or just uh, the fatigue of taking so many items every day. Uh, I normally try to minimize as much as possible the number of nutraceuticals. I'm, I'm not opposed in any way to nutraceuticals. Uh, I'm a great believer, like Wendy Myers detox programs. Almost every male and female patient comes in the office, if they haven't been on a detox program, we put them on a detox program. Detox the liver, detox the gut, helps to lose weight, skin quality, water retention, metabolism, all optimized. And there are multiple companies who make great programs. I can't say one is better than the other. You have a great detox program. I've had a number of patients who've taken and been on your detox programs. They love it. They lose weight, their cognition is better, uh, their skin quality is better, and I think water retention is less. So I would say that from a hormone point of view, because that's uh, my direction with patients here, that's the reputation, that if we, if their they're choosing is not to be, uh, let's say adrenal support, yes, uh, cordyceps, cordovive, uh, adrenal adaptogens. I'm a great believer in them. We try that before, uh, unless they're really low, near being Addisonian, then we may use cortisone, cortisone acetate. But as much as possible, uh, my approach is to change the nutraceutical part of it for, just try it for a month. If not, let's go ahead and add something stronger than estrovin, something stronger than just your black hole hoss, your sweet yams, uh, or your botanicals. 
we do try on a natural approach first. Yeah, and that might be a, a great segue into like if you're like for me, I'm just beginning to have symptoms and really mild hot flashes and things like that. And um, I'm going to be doing natural things for that to start. But at some point, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to suffer. I don't want to uh, have all the symptoms that you, you listed, uh, previously. And I don't want to deal with that. And, you know, at some point that might be right for me. And I, and the point, uh, the reason I wanted to do this podcast was to illustrate to people that hormone replacement therapy is very safe. The research is showing that, and it is a great option for women so they can live the life that they want to. And back to your question, even gut health, sometimes when we just put them on a good, great probiotic, we replenish, uh, we help uh, detoxify liver, gut, uh, they lose weight. But interestingly, as you know, Wendy, that our microbiome are, is the heart, 70% of our immune system. When we re-regulate and optimize the good bacteria there and get rid of the bad, the bad bacteria, or we change the commensal organisms in balance. Their hormones, as you know, they work better. So we, we've now uh, upregulated the pathways by cleaning up the gut. They don't have as much hormone disruption, and they're actually getting optimization, I shouldn't say necessarily optimization, but an increase in their hormones without putting them on hormones, just by cleaning up the gut. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I think that's a, a great thing to do. Optimize gut, liver, maybe some mild supplements or not mild, but just some supplements in the beginning. And then if that doesn't work, graduate to the, the stronger prescription HRT. I think that's a, a great pathway. Can you discuss the phenomenon of estrogen dominant syndrome when one has low estrogen levels on testing, be it serum or what have you? And the role that xenoestrogens play in this issue, like metalloestrogens and plastics and BPAs and all these hormone-mimicking chemicals that are in our environment. When do you hit every one of them? That was yeah. my response. <laughs> <laughs> the estrogen dominance in proportion, say, to progesterone. As we get perimenopausal, What's the first hormone that usually decreases is usually the progesterone, which can cause irregular cycles, heavier cycles, premenstrual mood swings. Now, you can, in proportion to, even though, let's say the serum or urine estrogen is low, but the important part to know also, is it a good estrogen or is it a bad estrogen? And you hit upon that, the xenoestrogens, the contaminants, uh, the toxic things that we're exposed to, the parabens, the BCPs, and all the other things that women, especially more than men, I can't say that, but uh, from mascaras to uh, sunscreen to the plastics and the bottled waters, again, women more so than men are exposed to the xenos. In disproportion to the progesterones that's continuously decreasing after the age of 20s and 30s. So now we have an individual who may be having normal progesterone, okay, or they may have really low and the estrogen itself is low, but it's dominant over the progesterone. So now we have abnormal pathways of estrogen dominance, even though let's say the serum or the, the diagnostic lab says they're low in estrogen. Yeah, and that's one thing that I think is really perplexing to a lot of women where uh, they don't understand that they, they have low estrogens on their testing, 
but they're technically estrogen dominant. And that's really kind of confusing. And again, back to uh, estrogen metabolic pathways, let's say by urine. I like that one to start that and the majority of women, because I want to know well, if I'm going to place you on a bioidentical, how are you going to metabolize it? You're going to pass it through this pathway, four pathway, two pathway, six pathway, whatever pathway, because of your genetics. So that also tells us the proportion of estradiol, estriol combination we call biest, which is two estrogens. And we think about three estrogens, right? The bad one, quote unquote, estrone. That's the one that has one hydroxy molecule. The other one has two hydroxy and then has three. So therefore, bi, tri, di, just as a, for the lay person. There are some individuals, if we find that their pathway is predominantly, then sometimes they're only on something like a, a one part of the hormones, maybe just uh, estradiol. Maybe they don't need estriol. Again, it's, it's, it's personalized medicine, as we call it. It's individualized based on your genetics, your epigenetics, your pathways, your history, your symptoms, and expectations too. As a plastic surgeon, which I'm not, they say, I would like a nose, I would like, so what are the expectations? In other words, I have all these symptoms. These are my expectations, Dr. Lee. I wanna be, look like so-and-so on so-and-so program. I said, we can help optimize the hormones. We can help optimize your nutrition. We can help with cognition, your skin, your hair, your sleep quality, your, your libido. But physically, we can help that too. But you're never going to look like him or her. So <laughs> I try to fill out the expectation too. And there are some patients that, you know what? I feel better, but I still don't have muscles all over where I should have muscles. Because I work out every day. I look at my back, and we're talking about a female patient. I want to be a figure fitness bikini model or competitor, which in my practice, uh, I have a lot of those competitors. And they said, you know, I can't just do this by hormones. I agree. And I can't say go work out more because you already work out twice a day, seven days a week, because this is what you do for a living. So sometimes expectations and don't necessarily correlate with, again, it's a balance of not just the hormones. It's a balance of their expectations with the rest of the, the picture. Yes. Let me yes. get off a tangent on the question, but. No, that's, a, that's good. That's a good point to make. Yeah. And so what about uh, how often does someone need to come in to like tweak their hormones, for instance, because from my understanding, you know, once someone goes on hormone replacement therapy, they mean to, you know, they need to monitor that, they need to, to tweak it. What is on average how often someone needs to come in? Well, in our office, initial consultations, we get the history, the physical, the symptoms. We, we do the appropriate diagnostic labs based on all of the above. And they come back a week or two later, we review the labs. And then we suggest a program. And they'll be back in, let's say, six weeks. Now, any symptoms residual we need to correct. Of course, we're retesting at that time. We're correcting the hormones again. Once they're dialed in, which whatever program, uh, in my practice, I only see them twice a year. They're, they're welcome to call the office at any time for another question about application, about, let's say, breakthrough bleeding, uh, where it was regular before and all of a sudden. But keep in mind also, the reason why I see them every 
six months, seven months, plus or minus a month, because their hormones will continuously change as they mature. If it's not the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, DHEA, then it's maybe the cortisol, cortisol thyroid, because they talk to each other. So it's not necessarily the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone. Maybe now we need to adjust cortisol support, adaptogens. That's why your thyroid doesn't work. Your T4 is not converting to active T3. Of course, conventional medicine, they're not going to know that part. So for safety reasons, yes, I like to see them twice a year. For women, we want to make sure they have their annual female exam, mammogram. For men, we want to make sure uh, that they're not getting from testosterone polycythemia, too high blood count, because blood like Pennzoil, more prone to clotting events, heart attacks and strokes, liver enzymes, lipid panel. Uh, for men, PSA, just make sure that they're developing a genetic predisposition to prostate cancer. Testosterone does not create prostate cancer. If genetically you're getting it, you're going to get it. However, if you get prostate cancer, I tell the men, testosterone can fuel it and make it more aggressive. So that's why for men, at least twice a year. For women, similar for, for health reasons, uh, we monitor similar, well, they don't have prostate, so we look at PSA. But we want to make sure if they're on testosterone that they're not getting too high blood count. Their liver's okay. Their lipid picture's okay. And there are some individuals who are, well, they're diabetic. So our role for the diabetic patient, too, is help them become more insulin resistant and get off their diabetic medication that they've been placed on by their primary caris or whatever medication. Uh, like to get them off their SSRI. We like to get them off of their sleep meds. Again, we're trying to do a functional, natural, naturopathic approach. And Fortunately, we're mostly successful doing that. And for those individuals who are just more challenging, that's great. We love that too. But we normally will have, between Dr. Singer and myself, we have a nutritionist on staff. We have a compounding pharmacist on staff, uh, Blue Coast Pharmacy right here in Huntington Beach. Their team, uh, we work hand-in-hand with them. Uh, they do a great job. Anything we wish to compound uh, from oxytocin to increase cuddling hormones and orgasms and sexual libido in men and women, intranasal forms, to skin blemishes, what have you. Uh, it's great to have Blue Coast Pharmacy because they specialize in the hormone stuff that, that we do. But, I find that's you know, really interesting that uh, managing your hormones can improve insulin uh, sensitivity and help one to get off diabetic medications because I'm sure that most doctors that are prescribing uh, metformin and other diabetes medications are zero clue about the hormone component. And that's a great observation, Wendy, that uh, there are a fair number, hundreds, because I've been doing this since 85, longer than most people, that off their blood pressure medicine, off their diabetic medication, off their SSRI. Why? It's not just that we optimize our hormones. Yeah, that's a great, strong component of it. But we've increased, we lowered A1C, they're more insulin sensitive, they're more motivated, they're getting to the gym, they're eating a cleaner diet, they're having an anti-inflammatory diet, especially if they're autoimmune, even they have no other symptoms. But you know what? You're chronically inflamed because you have an autoimmune. You have a carrier gene that da 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 da. So we, we educate. Huge, huge part is the education, as any practice, of course. But the lifestyle, the feeling good before you die of whatever cause, that's our goal. The education part, along with why hormones. Why not hormones? You had a question about that earlier. Not everybody needs hormones. 
I agree. Yeah, it's about what works for you as a person, what you want to do as a person, what what your health goals are. Some people don't ever want to take medications and that's perfectly okay, but for some people want to they want to feel good until their the end of their days. That's me. I want to feel really good and uh, you know, when I've started experiencing some of my perimenopausal symptoms, I'm like, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> this is not very fun. <laughs> and, you know, and I know that I, like I said, I have friends that are in hormone replacement therapy and are really happy. They look fantastic. I know uh, Suzanne Summers has really educated women a lot about the positives and the pros and the benefits of hormone replacement therapy and that it's, you know, something that some women are going to consider. And so I wanted to educate the audience a little bit about that, the, the pros and cons of HRT. So thanks you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Wendy. And so if anyone wants to work with you and learn more about your work, where can they find you? Well, I'm in Huntington Beach and Newport Beach, but our main number is 714-375-1441. Again, 714-375-1441. And on our website, uh, leemedicalinstitute.com. I'm also, my office, in my Newport office is with Dr. Terry Dubrow from the show, Reality Show Botched. So I'm, I have a staff where myself there a couple of days a week too. And between two offices in Newport and Huntington, they're about six miles apart. Okay, great. Well, Dr. Lee, you and I, we need to talk. <laughs> we'll right. be talking after the show. Yep. So, thanks so much for coming on and uh, really appreciate you sharing your wisdom on the show today. Thank you. Appreciate you having me on the show. Thank you, Wendy. And, and everyone, thanks for tuning into the Myers Detox podcast where we explore all kinds of topics related to alternative health and biohacking and everything related to heavy metal detoxification, how health issues today tie into toxins and how toxins are affecting your body and how to detox them. So thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys next week.